Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, everybody. Hi. Recording live from somewhere. What's good, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki, and woo-wee, how about that for a win to take you into the weekend, Jets fans? Doobie, doobie, doo, Pierre-Luc Dubois, pretty quickly becoming a fan fave here in the city. We'll get into the new guys' play and break down that exciting 4-3 OT victory over the Habs in Montreal in just a sec. Plus, the analytics wars apparently never end. I do want to touch on Mike Shifley's comments before the game because Twitter predictably reacted in a calm, rational manner. That's what Twitter does about what Mark Shifley had to say. Everyone had a reasonable take. I'll give you mine in just a sec as well. Also, if you're a wing lover, you are absolutely going to love this episode. We spoke with Dave Mackay. He's one of the head honchos down at Little Bones in Transcona. So getting the lowdown, in my opinion, on the GOAT of all apps, the GOAT of all game day menu items, we talk some wings. I take my wings and my sauces very seriously. They've got 75, I think at least 75 flavors now. So we get into all that. It was a super good chat. That's coming up in about 15 to 20 minutes. Now, before we break down Jed's Habs, a quick word from our sponsor, DraftKings. You've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how payday can come every day by entering their contests with huge catch prices up for grabs. This week is jam-packed with action ranging from basketball to golf, and DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to have a front-row seat to all of the action. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night. It is simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports. And DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there's no better place to get in on the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings, minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. Check out DraftKings.com for details. Back to Jets-Habs. Back to a huge two points for the Winnipeg Jets. Man, it's pretty crazy that we're not even halfway through the season 
And it kind of feels like a playoff spot is all up for grabs right now for the Winnipeg Jets, doesn't it? Nine points up on the Calgary Flames. Both teams have played 23 games so far. So the Jets are already nine points above the cutoff line. And with one more game played than Montreal, five points up on the Habs. So they've already created a decent amount of separation. And at 15-7-1, the Jets really, I mean, 500 hockey the rest of the way might get it done. I don't think they're going to play at that low of a clip, but it's just, this is what happens when you bank points early, no matter how you play. When you rack up the wins, you're 31 points in 23 games. Yeah, it's, it's get excited, I guess, is kind of the main thing here, Jets fans. The deadline's going to be a ton of fun, and then the playoff push, just kind of crazy. Going into the season, in my opinion, and I think a lot of people's, it was the fight for a playoff spot's going to come down to the wire, and it's going to be a tight one. As of right now, it's more of a battle for home ice advantage in round one, as opposed to just getting into the dance. So that's great to see. But the game itself... First off, the game itself was a victory because it started at 6 p.m. I honestly have no idea how how people have more than one child and get anything done. <laughs> like, I have I have one, and by the time it's 9 o'clock, I'm basically exhausted. And I got nothing left in the tank, so 6 o'clock games, yeah, sign me up for that moving forward every single night. Now, with that out of the way, love the start for the Jets. I thought the Jets, I thought their first period was the best period they had all game long. I mean, they were fired in all cylinders. Things got a little wonky there in the second. But love the way they came out with the start. And we got to start with the main guy, in my opinion, the first star of the game, Paul Stasny. Paul Stasny, maybe a bit of a lucky one with the first one. The second one, no, not so much. I, I think Paul Stasny is becoming my favorite Winnipeg Jet. I, I think even more so than Nick Ehlers. I just, everything about his game... He's just the the quintessent like all the moves he makes, you kind of find yourself going, that's a vet move, you know. Oh, that's a vet move right there. That short side snipe on Jake, yeah, that's a vet move. I just I don't see him make a whole lot of incorrect reads or questionable plays. He's just such a damn good player, and I thought it was one of his better games of the year against Montreal in this one as well. And I don't know about you guys, but. I know he's 35-ish. He's in mid-30s, mid to late 30s now at this point. I don't know how you don't re-sign him and have him back next year. In, in whatever capacity the team wants to, somewhere in their top nine, he'll find a way to fit in, I'm sure of it. He just, he seems like he's way too valuable to lose. And there's, I, I think this could be overused sometimes too. We'll get to this when we talk analytics, the whole chemistry and good in the room thing. But I really think Paul Stasny brings a lot to the Jets' dressing room. Like There just seems to be a lot of of synthesis, I guess, if I could use a semi-fancy word. There's, It's just a natural fit with him and the rest of the guys. And it seems like there's a lot of good vibes around the locker room right now as opposed to last year when things were kind of testy. So I, I do like everything about Paul Stasny coming back next year. You do wonder, is it going to be just a one- or a two-year deal? But if it was a one-year deal, hey, you don't have to twist my arm whatsoever. I'd love to see Paul Stasny back in the lineup. I also don't think it's a coincidence that whatever line Paul Stasny joins, that seems to be the best forward line the Winnipeg Jets have at that current moment. So he was great. Another great goal by Matthew Pro as well. A little opportunistic these past couple of games. And, and speaking of guys that you put them on a line, that line seems to find a way to get going. 
he's kind of doing the same thing as well, isn't he? I mean, the fourth line, they're not getting a ton of minutes, and it's not like they're absolutely crushing it on the on the shot chart and, and the goals and all that. But he's finding a way to produce down there. And I do wonder a little bit moving forward if Paul Maurice goes back to another shakeup with his lines because Lowry Cobb Appleton, that that to me was one of the uh, one of the one of the more subpar games that we've seen those three play all season long. And I don't know if Lowry Appleton Cop has had the same impact on the ice that Lowry Perot Appleton had earlier this season. So as we get closer to the playoff run, and, and hey, the Jets have a little bit of leeway and a little bit of runway to work with here, I, I would like to see Paul Maurice Tinker maybe bring back Pro Lowry Appleton, and that could be one of the lines in your, uh, not even bottom six, one of your four forward lines, and you could try to incorporate Andrew Kopp somewhere else in your lineup because that line was really great, but we haven't seen Lowry or Kopp, I think, have a really strong showing in quite some time now. So a great first period by the Jets. And I thought it was a great game for them overall. I, I mean, they got to take it to them on the shot clock. But I think, I mean, that's what Montreal does too, right, guys? Like, they, they'll throw pretty much everything and any opportunity towards the net. And so they're always going quality over quantity. Or sorry, they're always going quantity. Quantity over quality is what Montreal does. So they're going to do that a lot of nights. But I thought the Jets had... By far the more dangerous looks throughout. And I think they outchanced them 19-11 to 11 on the night. So it kind of bore itself out in the numbers. But the one the one iffy part to me in that game was the second period for the Jets. Montreal scores two goals. First one, you know, I don't have a problem with that one. The puck's bouncing all over the place and Gallagher picks it up. Shorthanded, they just kind of outmanned the Jets in front of the net there. So whatever, plays like that happen. The Toffoli one... The second goal there, and, and we'll get to this with the Perry uh, game tire a little bit later. But this is starting to become a trend, and we talked about this, I think it was our last episode actually. Uh, but in the games against Vancouver, when the Jets gave up a bunch of goals early in the first period, you know, you're kind of like, uh, lucky point shots. But we talked about the Jets giving a lot of space to the other team's blue liners and allowing them room to operate and eventually get the puck through, and then we see those deflection goals happen. So it's either you, you hang back and you stay in the shooting lane, and you either block it or force a shot wide, or you pressure up on the D-man, you pinch at him right at the blue line, and you force them into a different decision. You could do either way, aggressive or passive. I'm always more of an aggressive guy, so I'd like to see them close the gap a little bit quicker. But hey, at the very least, I'd rather work on... One of the big bugaboos in the defensive zone being we need to shore up our wingers or centermen attacking the point as opposed to the debacle that was last year of we need to make sure Connor Hellebuck stops facing 80 grade A chances every single night. So a bit of an improvement, but hey, something that the Jets can certainly still work on. And, and you do wonder too as the season moves along if other teams try to attack that particular weakness that I think has reared its head over the last couple of weeks. So that was the first 40. We, I mean, Paul Stassi's goal to take the lead there. That, in soccer terms, that's cheeky, right? Like, to come in like that. And, and I love the reaction, too, right after the goal. Shifley comes in. Like, everyone's just loving the play there. Just an absolute beauty snipe by Paul Stasny. And the Perry, Perry ends up getting credit for it. It hits off him in front. But Duran makes the tip. And that was, again, 
Jeff Petrie walking the line there. He has a little bit of time to look around and make a decision, and he's able to get the puck through. And uh, it is a double deflection, so a bit of luck there. Sucks to give Montreal the extra point, but you still get the two, which is all that kind of matters. And a hell of an OT period. That was... You know what? Of everything that's happened this season on the ice or, or coaching, whatever, one of my favorite and most pleasant surprises slash developments has been the Jets, I guess, commitment to that three-forward OT lineup. They have a pair of them, too. It's not even just one of them, right? They have two different all-forward lineups that they love to use. And I'll tell you what, I, I love going on the aggressive like that and kind of forcing your opponent to react to what you're doing. I, I love that in any sport, any walk of life, really. And when the Jets are doing that with their, I, I guess you can call it an innovative look in OT, it just it gets me going. I, I really, really enjoy watching it. And they got the majority of the chances, although Hellebuck had to make a hell of a save as well. And then we get to Pierre-Luc Dubois. He's, he's making himself a, a pretty popular name around these parts. His second OT winner with the club. And I mean, just to, again, Nick Ehlers doing what Nick Ehlers does best, which is cause mayhem and chaos and confusion in the opposing team's defensive zone. He makes the great feed back to Dubois. And that's a hell of a rip too, going bar down on Jake Allen like that. And what a fitting way to end that game because I thought that maybe the worst forward in the game for the Winnipeg Jets was Pierre-Luc Dubois. And nobody's going to remember that now moving forward because he scores the OT winner on a beauty. I, w I wonder what you guys think. And let me know. Hit me up on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewiki or at SkatesPlatesPod, the podcast Twitter account. How have you guys felt about Pierre-Luc Dubois' game so far here in Winnipeg? You know, I'm not going to say the word bad, and it's been a crazy start for him too, right? Because you come in, you have the long quarantine, you're playing with a brand new team, brand new teammates, then the injury happens, you're off for a ton of time after that as well, you're on a couple different lines as you come back to, so it, it hasn't been easy for him. But I would say underwhelming would probably be the best word I would use to, uh, to describe Pierre-Luc Dubois' play with the Jets for the majority of his time here in Winnipeg. Just kind of hoping for a little bit more. Not that he's been terrible, but you're just kind of waiting for that consistent, not even domination, but a consistent presence while he's out there on the ice. And we haven't gotten that so far. And I would say it's mixed results with Connor Ehlers-Dubois as a trio. Something that, that I know I and a lot of other people want to see become the Jets' quote-unquote second line. Yeah, just not enough scoring chances for me from those three just yet. Uh, still prepared to give it a ton of time, though, and still want to see it together for, a, I would imagine, at least a week or so to see if there's any sort of chemistry that can be built with those three players. But, I, yeah, I, I just, I, I've been wanting to see a little bit more. And hopefully that happens. And, again, a ton of time, too, for the Jets down the stretch here to tinker and, and just find out who plays best with PLD. Because it is, even with some of his, you know, so-so play as of late, I think he's still at, like, 0.75 points per game as a Winnipeg Jet, which is outstanding if that's your, your kind of C-plus game. But you definitely see the physical attributes, right? Like, he's, he, he looks massive out there, and he can still skate like the wind for a big guy. So I still have a lot of hope and optimism that we're going to see, and we still haven't seen the best Pierre-Luc Dubois just yet. 
And I do think that come playoff time, that's when he's really going to elevate his game. We saw that a couple times with the Blue Jackets over their last two playoff runs. So we'll see if the Jets can pull off the double dip. They take on the Habs Saturday night, another 6 p.m. Cha-ching, game, puck drop. I mean, a really big one again for the Jets to continue to separate that gap between them and the Habs and take advantage of them too, right? Montreal just, to me, they still look broken. They still look like they're searching for their game and, and trying to find some answers. So they kick them while they're down and, and grab another two points at Bell Center on Saturday night, no doubt. I do want to touch on, before we get to our interview with Dave Mackay and the guys down there at Little Bones Wings in T-Kona, the Mark Shifley comments, analytics again coming to the forefront. I don't even know why, to be honest. I, I don't know why he was asked this. I, I mean, it's news to me if something's popped up about, you know, Mark Shifley's game and, and how it looks according to the fancy numbers. I'm not going to get into the quote. Everyone's heard it, but hogwash, bulk, whatever. He's not a fan, not a big fan of it, and doesn't really pay attention to it by the sounds of it. And, and so then you get everybody's takes and everybody's pissed off on both sides. And everyone has kind of that initial visceral reaction to it, no matter what side of the fence you're on. So here's mine. I'm sick of it. <laughs> I just, I'm sick and tired of this crappy conversation that, that's going nowhere. Like everybody's stuck on their position, aren't they at this point? And, and it's kind of one of three, right? You have the two opposites, either you love analytics, it's all you go by. And, and you're going to kind of base the majority of your opinions on that. Then you have, hey, I just want to watch the games. What I see is the best barometer for success. And if you like that, and if that's how you want to watch hockey, fine, go for it. I have no problem with it. It's maybe even more enjoyable that way to be a little bit more unaware of, of diving into some of the deeper numbers. And, and then I kind of fall in between where, look, push comes to shove. I'll probably go by what I see over anything else. But I do think that a number of these sites, stats, numbers, they give you a ton of context and a ton of value to the game. And for me, they make it a little more enjoyable as well. And I feel a little more knowledgeable on top of it. So that's kind of the fan perspective of it. You have to understand too, for anybody that was a little miffed by Mark Shifley's comments, is that the player perspective to me is totally different than the fan perspective on this. I don't care, and I also don't even necessarily want the players on my team to focus on quote-unquote analytics. To, to focus, like, I don't want Mark Shifley coming in after the game, well, what's my Corsi? Is my Corsi good? Right? Because it's, it's changing the way you play the game. So as a player, like, I, I just don't get all that upset when I hear a comment like this from somebody that's currently playing in the game. Because they, they probably shouldn't worry about it. That's for the, the general managers, that's for the analytics department, and that's for the coaches to try and figure out and, and how to best explain what they want their players to either do better or to continue throwing on out there. If you get what I'm saying, right? Like that That's more of a kind of an overarching view of the whole thing. Not necessarily, hey, this player, when you're on the, when you're on the ice in this situation... Make sure you do this instead of that so we can try to make your numbers look a little bit better. It's just, it's too confusing. And you know what? I actually, we, we got this clip here. I'll play it for you guys right now. I, I really, really like Pierre-Luc Dubois' assessment of analytics as somebody, and a young guy too, that's playing in the NHL right now. I mean, I, I, I get some stats. I get that there's, um, you know, there's some interesting stats out there. And to 
be honest, me, I, I'm more of a what you see more on the ice more than than statistically and stuff like that. I think that there's a lot going on in a hockey game that that you can't necessarily calculate. There's a lot in a player that you can't put a number on or a value on. Um, but I, I get that to some people it's it's interesting. It shows maybe trends in a game and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, you know, you, you go out on the ice and and there's so many things that go on. There's so many quick decisions you have to make. Um, you know, there's there's stuff like character and and effort and, and all that that, you know, like I said, you can't put a value on. But I mean, I, I see a lot of people are, are going in that direction. And it's I think it's just another evolution of, of, uh, of our game. So again, and, and I love the comments there from PLD. I don't necessarily want or need a player to understand or love analytics. But as a coach or as a manager, whoever behind the scenes... If you want to improve the pro, if you want to improve the numbers, explain the process that goes into it, right? Because we all, hey, maybe instead of dumping the puck when you come over the red line, try a, try a zone entry because we're gonna we're gonna generate more offense. That's what the numbers show us. Like as a player, that would be a lot easier to di- to digest and understand. And, and you might not even know that you're talking about analytics at that point. It's just oh, they want me to carry the puck in more instead of dumping it in. So just simple things like that. I, I'm just you know, like I said, I'm kind of tired of the conversation. However you want to watch the game, go ahead and do it. Just stop. If, if everybody could just stop belittling the other side and, and going in circles here, that would be outstanding. We can all make fun of Pierre Maguire if we want. We can all agree on that. <laughs> like, when he goes against analytics, that's stupid and that's a dinosaur. I have no problem doing that. But as fans, let's just ease off on each other a little bit, okay? Sounds good. Break. All right. Well, that's it of hockey talk. The skates part is done. Let's get to the plates here. And a great talk for you guys coming up. All right, very pleased now to be joined with the COO of Little Bones Wings here in Winnipeg, Dave Mackay. Dave, how's it going today? Very good, Brandon. Yourself? Not not too bad. Um, I hate to do this to you right out of the gate, but I gotta I gotta hit you with a hardball question to start here, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Go for it. And just just simply. What kind of wing guy are you? Are you a saucy wing guy or a dry uh, wing guy? Well, admittedly, saucy. Born in the days of the Buffalo Wing. Absolutely saucing them up big on Sunday night football with my boys. And yeah. I'm, although, I will say, having now gotten into ownership of Little Bones Wings, I have become somebody who appreciates the dry wing now. There's nothing wrong with dabbling, but I'm glad that we got off on the right foot here because I'm a <laughs> sauce man myself. So to yeah, me, if you don't yeah. have at least double digits napkins beside you when you're downing some wings, you're not doing it right. Oh, it's a mess. Trust me. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get right into it. Can you just uh, let everybody know, let our listeners know, other than wings being the greatest, how did you get started in the wing biz? Well, I, you know, like I said, back in the days, Sundays for us, don't get me wrong, I love my CFL football too, but I have two boys, both played football. Sundays were big, and every Sunday we would do wings together. It was a ritual. I used to make my own wing breading that was pretty spectacular, if I do say so myself. And and then I would sample with different sauces, so everyone kind of called me the wing guy. You know, I was like, Dave's wings are amazing. you got to try them. And I would give out the recipe. I didn't keep it secret. And everyone said, you know, it's like in the yearbook, most likely to be voted to actually own a wing restaurant. And <laughs> I have no clue how it happened, but um, I stumbled in onto a friend that I was working with in a different industry. He mentioned that he was taking over 
a company that was a, just a little distressed. It happened to be Little Bones Wings. I was fascinated and inquired and said, um, what's the situation on ownership? He explained it and said they have a partner willing to to move out and I would move in. And then I um, that was it. I pulled the trigger and, and invested. And then I've been in operations for the last uh, year and a half. So then tell us what the, the secret is to a great chicken wing. What makes your wings stand apart from all the other ones that are out there? Oh, oh wow. I got to be careful here. My chef might shoot me if I give up too many secrets. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't need state you know secrets, but just a, a general sort of a thing. Well, okay. I mean, obviously recipe, right? I think when you, the first thing you, you sense when you come into our restaurant is the smell. I have never had that, that odor, that essence, that smell anywhere else. Our ingredients seem to create a very unique signature on, you know, the, the smell. Right off the bat, that's that's incredible. Um, the consistency. Our chef calls it the mouthfeel. Our wings have a mouthfeel to them because they're they're very big. Usually, we we order from uh, Granny's Exceldor, and and that's a Manitoba local product. We're proud of that. And it seems the size of the wing, uh, the actual flatty and the drum, are are very big. Usually bigger than the competitors. So it's impressive when you look at it. So you know, smell first. Then you see the look, it's big. And then the breading just pronounces, you know, the, the edibility of it even more because there's there's so much texture to it. So then finally, the sauce, you choose your sauce. And then when you bite into that thing, it's juicy and it's crunchy and crispy. And it's got some unique seasonings to it with garlic and a few other herbs and spices in there that I cannot give up. But uh, <laughs> that... That recipe is, we we sometimes think there's some crack cocaine in there because there's something about it that actually just grabs you and like, oh my gee, that is something that uh, I, I got to have more of. And so uh, that right there, a couple of things I've discovered since I've owned the restaurant. Wings, when you put a batter or a breading on them and then you deep fry them, they will plump up because there's so much moisture inside a wing but if you didn't batter it or bread it, that moisture would just go into the oil and you would lose it. So, you know, the naked wing that we make is a smaller wing than the breaded wing. Obviously, not only because there's breading, but it keeps the moisture locked in. And that just makes for a really impressive looking wing. Very, very big, very juicy. So those right there uh, are, are part of it. I will also tell you, though, I think the marketing is part of it, too. Let's face it, if you've been to Little Bones Wings, it's kind of a dive restaurant. It's not 529 Wellington. It's, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I love Transcona and Transcona is awesome, but it's got a certain dive vibe that people enjoy. Uh, you can come as you are, jeans, shorts, whatever. There's no pretentiousness. It's just come and enjoy wings. And that's exactly how wings should be. You're hunkering down to wings. You're not looking to... You don't care what you're wearing. You don't care, you know, what it's going to mean when you drip no sauce all over your face and, and you're doing this and it, and you're drinking beer. Forget it. You want to have a good time. You want to relax. Don't bother me. I'm eating my wings. And that's exactly the atmosphere we promote. Now, you mentioned the flavors. Uh, last I checked, is it 75 that you're at now or have you added a couple more? Well, it's interesting. My partner has this philosophy about how to create this never-ending list of flavors. There's only 75 on the menu. I mean, I mean, this is you know, you guys have all seen the menu. It's, 
it's big and it's extensive and yeah, sorry. So there's 75 on there, but we actually have closer to a hundred because what we do is every time we make a flavor and if we take it off the menu, we still keep it in the database. We may even come back to it. We never let it go. So we actually have about a hundred flavors of which we select 75 to go on the current menu. And so we keep building and building and building. So, uh, but you can only get 75 when you order, unless you ask nicely oh, for another. Yeah. So it's a lot. Yeah. So only, can... only 75. I'm sure people will, will find a way to pick one or two. Uh, but yeah. I, I love, I'd rather have wing menus that like that, honestly, than where you only have 10 or 12, because there's just something about, and, and you guys have a ton of them too, the out there ones, maybe the more more simpler traditional ones. I guess just take us through the the thought process of, you mentioned some that still haven't made it on there, but what does it take for a certain flavor to be one of the chosen 75? Well, we have our own uh, taste tests. You know, we, we call them sort of the staff focus groups. It's, it's, it's us. It's the ownership team. It's the staff. Before we even consider putting a wing out, we tried ourselves and we, we vote on it. And it's, um, you know, our chef has got an amazing sense of what will work i'm a little bit kind of creative our my other partner is a little more traditional but we we like to try some pretty unique flavors and i think our current wing menu would be a testament to the fact that we'll we'll try anything once um, <laughs> and see how it goes and then we do a lot of promotion on facebook we put it out there to the public and we basically see what they think is this what you want is it popular and we'll spend a good six to six months to a year to assess whether a particular flavor is popular enough to stay on the menu. Very quickly, you can tell which ones are selling and which ones aren't. It's not rocket science. Generally, that's the criteria for what would kick a flavor off is if it's not selling well. Because, you know, obviously you got inventory you got to consider. And what's the point of putting space out there that no one's actually ordering? So we continually add new ones like for example uh this week and i'm all proud because this is the wing that i i thought of but it's, <laughs> it's super simple it's called the uh, the coney island coaster if anybody's ever been to coney island there's a roller coaster there called the cyclone it's like the birthplace of, of roller coasters and and so um it's you know that experience in new york on coney island is just incredible so we named it the coney island coaster it's a combination of smoked out sweet mustard which is a really popular flavor uh, and, and it's one of our boldest flavors. And then we drizzle on backyard barbecue sauce. And so it's the drizzle effect just makes a nice sort of second layer of color. So you got this sort of orangey gold smoked out sweet mustard. And then you got this bright red barbecue sauce on top that just, you know, pops. And it's got to be one of the boldest flavors you can find in our menu. And it's simple. It's just two flavors. So we do that a lot. We'll, we discover combinations where you start with a nice base flavor. You know, even like, let's, okay, let's take honey garlic. Every, ubiquitous honey garlic. That is the number one flavor. Everyone orders it. You know, if you're a snowflake, don't make me wrong. I love snowflakes. If you're a snowflake, you don't like anything hot, you order honey garlic. Great. But to, you know, get some honey garlic a little bit more interesting, we take honey dill and drizzle honey dill on top of honey garlic. We call mm. it mistress. Well, you start doing these crazy combinations, it blows people's minds. Like, if you saw the mistress wing, it, the look of it is incredible to begin with. So we do that with probably a good 10 of our wings or a double drizzle. 
effect. And it, and Coney Island Coaster is one of them. And it's just, it kicks ass, man. It's awesome. Are those the gourmet wings? And can you maybe just explain a little bit about the the extra fanciness that goes on top of those? Right. Actually, tech, the answer to that is no, those are not the gourmet wings. That's okay. a whole different ball game. There's three layers of wings on our menu. One is classic. So honey garlic, you know, your your buffalo. In fact, I mean, I, I got them all here. So, you know, some of the dry wings, uh, barbecue, teriyaki, honey dill, sweet chili, buffalo, chili maple. Those are all the classic. There's a couple more too. But <laughs> those are what you'd expect from any wing place to offer, generally speaking. Then we have another layer called the original section where we actually go out and create something really unique. And it's, uh, it's usually not, sometimes we do use a store-bought sauce and then enhance it. But for the most part, our chef prefers to do his own. So we have this whole section called originals where we kind of put some extra thought, extra ingredients, and really get creative. Some of those would include creamy Cajun, maple bacon, hot honey, uh, honey dill, lemon pepper tango. One of those combinations blows my mind. That's just an incredible one. Electric Kick, Mistress, Remix, um, Smoky Ranch, Honey Sriracha. We even have a Sweet Everything Bagel Wing. Um, we've got <laughs> Chimichurri, Korean Barbecue. So those are like pretty different. You wouldn't typically find those. That's our chef having fun. Then you get into the craziest, bizarre, but blow your mind in terms of the the amount of gooiness and just heaven in a wing you can get that you traditionally wouldn't see at any other restaurant called gourmet. And that is where we just deck it out and with complete decadence of so many other products. And for example, the most classic would be poutinerized. So we all know what poutine is, but man, we, are we talking like rich amounts of gravy and cheese. And then the, my favorite, there's two that I particularly, one is the taco wings, which is, it's the crispy wings ladled with not yo cheese sauce, which is kind of a jalapeno cheese mix. It's, it's just unreal. The chef makes it in-house. Then on top of that, he goes with either, um, either with bacon bits, real bacon bits, or ground beef, tomatoes, onions, sour cream, and jalapenos if you so choose. You put all that together with the nacho cheese sauce to help. Man, this wing, looks it looks like, like nachos. Like and it still works, it right? Even without the chips. Yeah. Well, actually, we, we add the chips, too. Oh. We do it on a bed of chips. So we put the chips down, put the wings in, and then just goo it up with all this stuff. And it blows your mind. You start looking at it. 15 wings. Most guys who can eat 35 wings can barely finish these 15 wings because there's so much extra stuff on it, which is wild. And it looks crazy. Um, the other one I really love is called Philly Cheese Wings. So the nacho, we put heavy amounts of nacho cheese sauce on. We take shaved beef like a Philadelphia sandwich, put that in there. Get this though, sautéed mushrooms, sautéed onions, and sautéed peppers go in there as well. And like a medley with the cheese sauce and the shaved beef. Oh, my God. Like it's, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> so those are the kind of the decadent ones. The other ones we got is Burger Time. Our death wing, because it's a very expensive extract, we put that in the gourmet section. That's a, a six million Scoville for the for all the hotheads can handle that kind of stuff out there. Blows my mind how some people can handle that kind of heat. 
Uh, we've got butter chicken, the Mexi wings, an Alfredo wing with Parmesan cheese on it. That's really decadent. It's like just rich Alfredo sauce. Um, uh, taco burger time. Yeah, it's just it's oh, and a pizza. Like we call it the the um, Almighty Zaw. It's it's like a pizza with just wings underneath instead of crust, and that's mind blowing. So you'd swear to God they're not wings, but by the time you finish them, you're uh, you're looking for a couch. No question. <laughs> yeah, the, that's the classic Sunday. Close the blinds. Make sure nobody's watching, and you just yeah. you go away yeah. for a couple hours, right? Make sure you're in your stretchy pants and you're all good. Now I gotta ask you about: Are are they just called death? Like your hottest wing sauce is just flat out death? You call it what it is, man, because that's what it is. You you got to be careful with this wing. Um, it's a combination of. See, we don't just take a wing to be hot. We want it to be flavorful too. So death is a combination of black mamba, six million Scoville sauce. It's just nasty stuff. It's almost pure capsicum. Uh, and then we add in habaneros <laughs> and a few other flavor enhancers as well to kind of just give it the rounded out with a little bit of flavor. This is not for the faint of heart. Don't ever rub your eyes. You'll cry like a baby. I, For the people who can eat these in quantity, I still wonder what it's going to be like the next day for them, but that's up to them. Um, and yeah, there are some people who can handle that stuff. I, you know, just yesterday I was laughing because I spent the last two days, um, there was a, a there's a friend of ours. His name is uh, Jasden. He he's a, a Philippine fellow that does great online reviews. He calls them mukbangs, and mukbang is a Korean word for like an online review of food. And he does a great job. A young kid, and he uh, he did <laughs> he accidentally ordered one of what are wings that are called a death drop. It's it's a normal wing, all crispy, dry, and we actually take that pure capsicum sauce, that six million Scoville. We we skew, we rub it into uh, with like a, a skewer and we poke the wing with it, what, one poke. That's it, and it creates almost like a bleed effect. It looks like the wing was shot with uh, with, <laughs> with a gun and it bled out a little bit. Like this little bit has got this redness around, and that's the oh. we call it the death. That's the death zone. But you try this wing, you know, you, you think, oh, it's not too bad. Well, he tried it, poor guy, and he's such an innocent little soul. He did this at the <laughs> dinner table with his parents. I swear to God, I thought we were going to have to call the paramedics because he started like <sighs> just sort of hyperventilating. The sweat was coming down and he was just, he was losing control. And I thought, oh my God, no one ever warned him of these death drop wings. <laughs> and, and he had to cut the, the video short. And then it, you saw this, you know, it said several hours later, just like off of uh, SpongeBob. And then the next scene was him going at the ice cream, like <laughs> just trying to cool it off. And I, you know, we have about oh. three or four wings that are in that category that you better be well prepared or you're going to get your ass kicked, seriously. And it's it's crazy. Now, see, I'm such a dumbass that I hear that, and my first initial thought is, I got to try that. Like, I, now I want to get at those wings. Have you personally, you mentioned the taste test, have you had the, the death wing? Yeah, I um, I was like you. I was like, come on, you know, all comers, I can handle, I can take it. Maybe in my youth, I probably could. Uh, now I'm a little older. The body is a little less tolerant of some of those things. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, I got cocky. I tried the death drop. I tried the death wing, which is like a very saucy, extra kick butt version. 
and uh, and I lost. I I got my ass kicked, and uh, I I'm not ashamed to say, but um, it was more than I could handle, and that's probably good because, you know, we don't want to be the the restaurant that just puts out you know just that you know mediocre level. We want we have people that come in and want to be challenged, and okay, okay, we we got it for you, and the Deathwing does that. So. Um, I, I warn people that uh, you better be fairly experienced in in handling the the, uh, the high Scoville levels because this one this one is not for the faint of heart. And I love the you're totally right on the balance part where there's got to be the insane hotness that everybody craves in a challenge, but to go along with a decent amount of flavor too, or else what's the point of eating it? So I like that right. you've seemingly found the perfect balance in that. Yeah, we do. We actually, you know, one of our tricks is we have this sauce called Spicy Hot Spicy. It's actually third degree hot sauce. In and of itself, it is a flavor and it's one of my favorite. It's about the one that I can handle the most in terms of heat. And it's got so much flavor in it that we add that a lot to our our death sauce just to give it that extra dimension. Because the death sauce itself is already going to have that high capsicum that high scoville and then you're right you want to round it out a little bit to, to get that flavor and what everyone will tell you about our death wing that that can handle it is that it isn't just kick my butt with scovilles it is a very flavorful wing that they enjoy and you're right that rush that you know those endorphins that people get when they're when they're eating that stuff it totally delivers but it's got flavor now, you also have veggie wings, which I'm a big fan of, and they seem to be a huge hit as well. Can you just dive into what makes those super unique? Well, our veggie wings are, are they're actually made from cauliflower, which is, these cauliflower seems to be everything these days for, for keto and a lot of stuff. But it's amazing what you can do with cauliflower. Who, who'd have thunk, right? <laughs> um, but you, you, you get them into these wings and and then you put that breading that is famous for our breading. So you, the combination makes them crispy, crunchy, and easy to eat. And then you flavor them up in any of these 75 ways. And for that vegetarian, vegan, it's a great option. Uh, I'm, I'm not. Obviously, you know, I love my wings, but um, <laughs> I've tasted it. And uh, if, if I were not into, you know, the, um, just the, the meat, I would say that that was a pretty good alternative. And it delivers all of these different flavors. So, um, you know, for those that want to experience this, that's a good way to do it. You know, we have a keto, uh, we're, we're looking, sorry, not keto, the um, gluten-friendly. That's important, especially for folks with celiac disease. We're proud to offer a dedicated gluten-friendly wing that's done in its own independent fryer. So there's no cross-contamination. So that's, and we do that right up to the um, party pack size just introduce that. So that's really popular. Boneless wings. Oh my God. I, did, I swear to God, the future is boneless wings. Yes. <laughs> wings are amazing, but they've also gone up in price. And that's the one part that I'm not super happy about. Bone in wings have gone up in price just recently, this February, almost 30% over a year ago, which is oh, mind blowing. Boneless wings tend to be a little bit better in that regard. They didn't go up as much. There's a lot of reasons why, the bone in did go up and the boneless didn't. But uh, I highly encourage people to try boneless. It's a good value. We use thigh meat. It's not a nugget. It's not, we don't take it out of the breast. It's thigh meat, which tends to be a little bit more moist, a little more succulent. 
And when you do that, mm-hmm. it its shape gets a little bit more interesting. It isn't just, you know, the same look like a breast. It, once you fry it, it gets into all different shapes and it takes the breading really nice. So boneless is an incredible option. Highly recommend them. And the tenders, maybe not everyone understands what a tender is. It, it's analogous to a filet mignon of the beef steak. So we all know that the most tender cut of the beef is the filet. The most tender cut of the chicken by far is the tender, which is that sort of that sliver that you get on the breast. That we all wonder, like, what is that? Well, that's like yeah. the fillet of the breast. That, yeah. <laughs> and it, it is. It is. It does not have any gristle. It's super tender. It's super moist. We use those exclusively for our tenders, hence the name. And that's what we sell in the grocery stores. Kids go bananas for them. And we have what's called a southern fried coating on them, which is very popular. It's not hot, but it's got a nice flavor. And you can sauce those up in any of the 75 flavors. So it isn't just dip it in honey dill. Don't get me wrong. Honey dill is great, and it's a Manitoba-born product. But you can do tenders. You can do uh, vegan wings. You can do gluten-friendly wings. You can do boneless wings in all 75 flavors. And that blows people's minds because it isn't just the bone-in wing. You can do it all in 75 flavors, including these decadent gourmet, which just... When you see pictures of them, you just go, really? That's a wing? That blows my mind. But that's why we've got this cult-like following of people that can't believe the flavors we have. Well, Dave, it's a perfect tie-in for the last question here because it is a Jets game day tonight. For anybody that wants to make a game day order, give us three to five. I'll let you choose, but three to five types of wings from Little Bones Wings. What makes the perfect game day supper? Okay, wow. All right. Um, well, one, if you are, and I realize we're not all allowed to gather, so I'm going to try to be respectful of, you know, the public health orders. But if you got a household and you got, you know, your kids, you got whatever, you, especially teenagers who we all know they can, they can eat buckets of wings, um, <laughs> I would highly recommend the party packs. There's two of them. There's the little and the big. The big is 75 wings. Gives you five different flavors times 15 wings each equals 75. Or the small, if you have a little smaller family, maybe your kids are younger, you might want to go with the 40 party pack, the 40 wings. And that's five times eight. So at least you get five choices of flavors, and you're right, and that's the magic number. So in terms of flavors, again, you, you kind of said at the top of the show, are you saucy? Are you dry? But are you hot? Are you sweet? Are you creamy? Once you establish that, hot, I recommend spicy, hot, spicy. Middle of the road with amazing flavor. It will make you sweat, but it's not going to kick your butt that bad. Creamy, creamy garlic. OMG, is that ever good? If you want a Cajun version, it's called creamy Cajun. Highly recommend creamy garlic. Sweet, mistress. Oh, honey garlic and honey dill together. That's that drizzle unreal uh if you like both those flavors that will blow your mind uh savory okay savory sort of that other what exactly is savory well it's it's a little more on the salty side bob cajun on dry fantastic savory dry lots of flavor um other savory flavors mm, let's see well our lemon ones are pretty cool the Honey dill lemon pepper tango, HDLPT, phenomenal. 
I would also suggest, uh, let's see, any of the uh, sweet chili teriyaki is a combination of sweet chili with the teriyaki drizzle. So it's got sweet and salty together. That's phenomenal. Um, we have this incredible following on our our pineapple curry wings too, which is hmm. uh, is something else. I mean, that's like an Asian mix with pineapple, and some folks just go bananas for pineapple. Pardon the pun, but uh, yeah, those those would be my combinations uh, that I would recommend. But again, if you want to get into, go with at least one of these gourmet. Highly recommend the taco wings or the. Um, the one that I guess is my favorite, either not your cheese would be simple because it's like just the cheese with some onions. But if you really want to crank up nacho, you turn it into the Philly cheese wings with the beef and with the onions and with the, the peppers. It'll blow your mind. It's just unreal. So those would be my recommendations. Thanks so much, man. My pleasure. Great time. Thanks for having me. All right, so that does it for another episode. Again, thanks to Dave Mackay and the guys down at Little Bones for joining us today. Make sure you check them out. 75 different flavors and sauces and dry rubs and all that. So they definitely have a couple of flavors for you no matter what your tastes are. And if you're feeling a little cocky, maybe give those Death Wings a chance and hit me up on Twitter too, at Brandon underscore Rewiki. If you eat those ones, did you survive? Should I maybe do it? Maybe I'll eat one on an episode of the podcast. Maybe we'll figure some kind of some kind of dare or bet and, and we'll get that going on. So again, thanks to the guys down at Little Bones. We're back on Tuesday with another episode. I believe it's just the one game too. Jets Habs 2.0 in Montreal. We'll break that one down in a big fashion for you guys. And I don't want to spoil this just yet. But you're going to want to tune in for Tuesday's episode because... We have a very important member of the Winnipeg Jets organization in the past. They're going to be stopping by to join us. Very, very excited for this talk, so make sure you don't miss it. It's a name that I think everyone here in the city and the province is very familiar with. But that does it for another episode of Skates and Plates here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. Until next time, peace!